Okay, guys, it is the 1st of October, so you know what that means. It is time to open up Spooky Season. Woo! Lame. And today I have another repeat guest. A very terrifying one. And very lame one. Today with me is Landon from Autopsy Podcast and Horror Makes You Brave Podcast. Some of my listeners may know him for bashing local museums, while others may know him for, um, openly talking about cutting up corpses. And getting very hungry in the process. So for today's special episode, why not merge both of those themes together and bash Landon? Landon over the head with some karma. Because today we will be discussing and dissecting a piece of local folklore and a local little museum in Landon's home state of Georgia. Actually, a museum that is very dear and close to his heart because it is owned by his former employer. Guys, today's episode is about the 1953 Martian monkey hoax, an alien encounter case that was cracked by the GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, using their meticulous forensic knowledge to conduct an alien autopsy of a murdered, tortured, mutilated monkey. And they pride themselves so much for cracking this case that now that monkey is displayed in their museum, pickled inside a jar. But no worries, Landon loves just criticizing his old employer. <laughs> and Landon is all too familiar with their practice of forcing people to do autopsies on dead animals. Guys, trigger warning. Obviously, we're talking about a dead monkey that was murdered and tortured. So, we are going to go in to animal abuse. Not very lightly, much more heavily than I anticipated. Apart from autopsies of monkeys, Landon goes into autopsies on other animals, mostly uh, dogs, okay? I know. Just if you're triggered by that, listen to the 30 minutes about the Martian monkey hoax, and then when we go into autopsies on dogs, well... You may not like that, but nobody really does. Nobody wants to do that shit. Ugh. Okay, guys, I see this episode died before it even started. Well, I already have Landon on, so what else to do with a dead decaying corpse than just open it up and start dissecting it? <laughs> Okay, guys, so today I have a returning guest that you all know and love. <laughs> Do they, though? Uh, so today with me is Landon from Autopsy Podcast, and we are not going to be pissing off uh, the West Virginians today. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I may have a note written that's <laughs> that's not polite. Oh, man. Um, we're, well, what we're doing this episode is essentially karma coming back to you. Um, we're going to be pissing over some local folklore for your part of the world. Yeah. Which I wasn't even really, I'd, I'd never heard of this ever. 
<laughs> the funny thing is, so listeners, we're, we're going to talk about the story behind a pickled monkey in a jar that's being held in <laughs> GBI headquarters in Georgia. And Landon here used to work for GBI as a death investigator. How often did you see this monkey when going to work? Not often. So I guess to properly like set up where this thing's located, mm-hmm. you know, I worked for the medical examiner's office, which is its own little building on the, I worked at GBI headquarters and it's this big campus. The main GBI building is sort of like admin and it's where Georgia crime information center is. And then kind of in the back, right behind the main building is the ME's office. Um, and then sort of right to the right of that is the crime lab. And that's where this quote unquote, like mini museums located. So the first time I saw this thing was whenever I applied for the job, like whenever I showed up, showed up for the interview, uh, because you have to, <clears throat> you, ch- we had to check in right there at the, well, I guess also to set like it's, it's a mini museum, but it's also the front lobby <laughs> of the crime lab. It doubles as the front lobby. Okay. It- Isn't it funny that you're known on my podcast for pissing over the museums in West Virginia? Yet today we are talking about something that is definitely not a real museum (laughs) that you were seeing. Well, that's the... thing I was going to write. I was like, it's, I never really considered it a museum, Yeah. <laughs> but in comparison to something like Flatwoods, it's technically more, muse- more of a museum than that. Oh man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but the space is roughly the same. It's roughly the same amount of space as in the Flatwoods. When you walk in, it's this big front lobby and there's nothing like from the front door to the front desk, there's nothing really in the way. It's to the left and to the right is where they have all these displays sort of set up with all these little things from kind of the history of the GBI. A lot, I mean, that's a lot of it. It's like GBI crime lab history. Yeah. So you sort of see that, I guess it's, I mean, it's, I guess it's technically a museum for the crime lab, but it was always just, I don't know, just something to look at. So from what I saw in my research, they have uh, some of the fibers that uh, solve the Atlanta child murders or allegedly because it's still questionable if that guy even did all the murders or not there's a lot i mean i couldn't tell you everything that's in there mm-hmm. um but i do remember seeing the monkey when i showed up for the interview it's not the first thing you see when you're walking around it's it's not like it's full front like display you have to sort of walk around the back of another display and then you sort of see it sitting up on the shelf and you're like what the hell is that because it's so like starkly different from everything else that's in there because i mean again a lot of what's in there is like old equipment like an old like hazmat type suit a big piece of equipment i really don't even remember what it was and then i there's think a... they have a piece of equipment of like a contraband moonshine yeah yeah i vaguely remember that then there's something that's kind of right to the left of the front desk that's i forget what it is but it's some store some georgia story some i don't know if he was a pathologist or doctor with the lab or whatever but he, there's a book i can't remember the title of it okay is it maybe dr herman jones he was the head of the georgia crime lab at the time i can't remember that there was a book that was written based on i guess a gbi case Mm -hmm. and it's displayed right there i guess along with actual like stuff from the case back then and what was your first thought when you saw the monkey it looked fake Mm -hmm. because like when you see it you're just at first 
you're like, what the hell is that? Because it doesn't, it's like, it, I mean, I guess it looks like a monkey, but then it also doesn't. Like, my first reaction is it looks fake. So why is that part of a crime lab display? And I can't remember if I even ever read the actual story because they have, I think, li- just little mini explanations for what some of the stuff is. I'm sure there's something written below that that tells a very brief summary of what happened and what yeah, all I that think was. They had uh, the newspaper article. But I was just sort of looking and absorbing it everything that was in there. So that was more, I was looking at the monkey thing, but I actually didn't read it. Yeah. So literally the, before I was ever even employed, when I was just there for an interview, I saw that thing. And <laughs> then once I started working at GBI, like, you know, I, again, I was more in the ME's office. So that was where I was at most days. And you don't really wander around too much beyond where you're at on the campus. So I was in the ME's office. I didn't wander to the main building. I didn't really wander to the crime lab, uh, unless there was something specific I had to go do. So yeah. I didn't see it that much, but I mean, over the span of nearly seven years, I think I saw it, you know, 10, 20 times just walking through. <laughs> and also like uh, for the listeners, the episode we're doing now uh, with Landon is riddled with synchronicities. So a year, year and a half ago, I wanted to do this episode with Landon for my old show, Darwin's Deviations, because I already knew about the story behind this uh, dead monkey. But the thing is, I did I did not know the details of it. I knew I wanted to cover it. So I asked Landon, hey, we should do this dead monkey because it is essentially an autopsy, you know, an alien autopsy. <laughs> And um, I went, we said, yeah, sure, we're going to do it. I went on to research it and saw, oh, this happened in Georgia. And then I told Landon and then we searched more and saw this thing is kept at GBI headquarters. (laughs) And yet then you saw a picture on the Internet and told me, yeah, I saw that monkey. (laughs) Like yeah. at work. Yeah, that was where I was. And I'm like, oh man, um, at that time we thought it was too close to home to cover that. And like, no, we're scrapping that. No. <laughs> now that you are known as a guy who bashes museums, we're going to bash the GBI museum. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I don't bash museums. Look, we talked about with Flatwoods. If they would have just called it the Flatwoods Monster Shrine, I'd have no problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> but you you can't just call it a museum. Well, can GBI call this a museum? They um, they pride themselves on solving the case of the Martian monkey. What do they though? That's one of those things. Like, had they not figured that out, it, GBI would have truly been the laughing stock of the entire forensic community. It's not like it was a hard case to solve. So it's, I don't know. You shouldn't take pride in. That. Well, today we are going to be talking about some of your um, most favorite topics autopsies the gbi and yellow journalism Mm. (laughs) and i noticed a couple of things speaking of yellow journalism even to this like because you sent me like a few articles to sort of glance through yeah Uh, because again i walked past this thing and i saw it you know a dozen two dozen times over the years i didn't really know there was an actual story to it and certainly didn't know it was this kind of like level of goofiness of what it was i just started reading the articles and reading what the actual story was and one of the articles the way they worded it i was like that's a little inaccurate or it's a little misleading it was yeah it's now part of a mini museum at gbi and you're like okay yeah 
technically. And then it, and it says, but you can't just see it. It's by appointment only. And it sort of misleads you to think like, oh, this thing is so like under wraps that you have to make an appointment just to come in to see it. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, this is the front lobby of a crime lab. Not anybody can just walk into this place to get in. You have to have a key card uh, scan to let you into the front lobby. Therefore, not everyone can just walk in and look at this little mini museum. You actually have to have a reason to be there, which is weird to think about that they call it their mini museum, but you it's sort of private access. Hmm, interesting. But yeah, you don't have to have like special uh, whatever just to see <laughs> this little monkey. It's no, you just have to have a half decent reason to be there um, just to walk around and see the little all the displays anyway. Yeah, listeners. So if anybody wants to see a real alien corpse instead of, you know, trying to go, go to Area 51 and storm it rather... <laughs> <laughs> Go to uh, DeKalb County in Georgia to the GBI headquarters. <laughs> yeah, I uh, guess she- that was, I don't know if we clarified. So <laughs> GBI headquarters is not really Atlanta. It's just south, southeast of Atlanta in Decatur, Georgia, which is part of DeKalb County. It's not even Fulton County. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where the big headquarters is located for GBI. Also, I'm thinking if I should cut that or not, because we can inadvertently start uh, Storm GBI. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe you can. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's a hidden campus or anything. It's no, no. It's man. also located right in the middle of like the hood. <laughs> it's not in. It's not in the safest place in Decatur, like because Decatur is like city of Decatur is actually like you know it's a nice little. I mean, it's not a big city like Atlanta, but it's a nice little city. GBI is sort of located in kind of the armpit, unincorporated part. of the city (laughs) so every day like driving to work you pass like the nicer parts of the areas to get to gbi which is in a not great part of the area so i wouldn't advise storming anything because (laughs) you might just get shot by somebody who's not even with the gbi just because you're not in a bet or you're not in a good part of town well if these people these ufo nuts are used to uh the danger of possibly being shot by the military when storming these places then the get the the ghetto i think they can totally (laughs) get over Mm, you say that (laughs) (laughs) at least the g-men have rules of maybe don't shoot people immediately (laughs) yeah yeah so this story happened in the 8th of july 1953 which right there first thing that like just stuck out like a sore thumb Mm -hmm. when i read this i was like of course it was the 1950s of course it was the 1950s oh yeah this happened during the ufo hysteria yeah and especially 1953 that's like six years after roswell ufos were still a big thing and the military was investigating ufos still they even investigated this Actually, the Air Force uh, OSI office investigated this case. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. The articles, the stuff I was reading. Oh, the articles are very misleading. I needed to go into books and newspaper clippings and stuff like that to even piece together what actually happened. Well, let me try to put together just based on the basics that I read. Okay. So it was uh, an officer. Is it Marietta, Georgia? Um, I am not sure. This was on the highway or near Austell, Georgia, the bank head highway. 
Um, that that's why the GBI got involved because at that time the GBI was part of the Georgia Department of Public Safety and they mm-hmm. were investigating anything that goes on on highways because highways were state property. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I swear I thought I read it was around Marietta because uh, whenever they wound up charge trying to charge the guys who instigated all this, mm-hmm. I think it was a Fulton County judge who they tried to do it because all of this wound up around Atlanta, but Marietta. It's just north of Atlanta. It's part of Cobb County. Atlanta's just south in Fulton County. I think they may have been arrested in Marietta, but the thing is they went loose on a technicality because yeah. they killed the monkey in another county. Yeah, I think it, they did it, I think maybe around Fulton. Yeah. And the judge was like, well, we can't charge them in Cobb County in Marietta because technically all this stuff happened in Fulton County. Yeah. So they would have to do it. And I, I guess the Fulton County judge could have given two shits <laughs> also trigger warning for the listeners we're gonna go into animal cruelty yeah that was the thing about like when you sort of when you finally get to the end of the story and you realize what they did you're just like man screw these guys like yeah <laughs> that, that was like the first reaction and then the second reaction was just like where the hell did they get a monkey because you can't just go to a pet <laughs> store and buy a monkey and then especially in the 50s the sources do say that they bought it in a, the pet store for 50 bucks what pet store <laughs> I've been to a few pet stores in my life. I don't remember seeing well, a monkey. Well, in the 50s, I think mon- monkeys were all over the place in pet stores for 50 fucking bucks. <laughs> well, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> no, I really don't know how they got a hold of a monkey, but most of the sources say that it was a pet store. Yeah. But but it's not confirmed. But basically, this an officer drives up on this road and finds the... Is it two guys or three guys? Three guys. So three the guys. guys in question, Edward Waters and Tom Wilson, who were barbers and Arnold Buddy Payne, who was a butcher. So officer drives up on the, and they're in the middle of the road. They've got this little body that they claim is alien, that they claim they saw three of these things mm-hmm. and that they came speeding up on it and hit one of them. And then the other two hightailed it back to the ship and took off. That makes me laugh. Okay. The older I get where... <laughs> What? So I wanted to say they also left skid marks intentionally on the road and they took blowtorches to make uh, a circular singe on the road. Well, we that's what we learned later when all the yeah. when they confessed, but then the initial story is uh this officer sees this stuff and they're telling him they saw this and the officer it, it, they the article reads as if the officer was immediately just like, okay, I'm going to write this up, but I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they were just adamant of like, no, this is totally true. This totally happened. Yeah. They, they also claim that they saw a red uh, flying saucer. Yeah. Um, so they make this poor officer. And again, th- it just made me laugh in the, f- what year was Mothman? Uh, 1967 to se- se- 68, oh, okay. I think. Long while later then. Yeah. But just the amount of like shit that you could give police officers back in the day and how easy it was to, because if you pulled this in this day and age, you would legit get charged with, I mean, they did try to charge these back then, but these days you would be charged and they would stick and <laughs> It'd be a whole thing. But like once upon a that sweet spot in like the 50s, 60s, where you could just tell an officer a bullshit story and they'd have to deal with it as if it was real and write up a police report. Oh, what and, a time it was when you can buy monkeys for 50 bucks in pet stores. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a great time to be alive. <laughs> 
but but yeah anyway they hold they stick to their guns and they're just like no this is totally true and then i forget who has who all looks into it first but ultimately it's the uh the doctor you mentioned okay so um the officer allowed them to go home told them to take the dead alien with them Uh, it was a a two foot tall creature that looked kind of weird to the officer then they kept the body in the refrigerator and called the local newspaper i don't know now which one? Oh, the atlanta constitution oh yeah and the uh, newspaper told them like you can bring the monkey and we're gonna send it to a veterinarian to take a look at it and the vet was quoted as saying this looks like it is completely out of this world like i can't <laughs> i can't identify what it is here's your synchron- synchronicity mm-hmm. <laughs> this was published in the atlanta constitution uh-huh. and you're speaking to a man who made front page of the atlanta journal constitution <laughs> well also these boys uh, made front page with with remains of something yeah mm. a lot of synchronicities dude also are we allowed to say your last name yeah go ahead okay <laughs> okay so one of the boys was tom wilson yeah no relation okay i thought to ask you if you're maybe related to this guy no. and maybe well, that's when i read it reason. i think that's the I think that's the name of the guy who plays Biff in Back to the Future. I think his name's Tom Wilson. So oh, that's well, what it's I thought a very of. generic name. That screw you. <laughs> Why you got to talk shit about last names, man? Okay. So, <laughs> oh yeah. So they took this to a veterinarian and the veterinarian uh, insinuated that it's totally out of this world. And Which is they, weird. <laughs> they plaster this uh, on the front page with a picture of the boys with the alien corpse. And then this made national and international headlines. That's weird that a veterinarian <laughs> couldn't make heads or tails at all. Then uh, the police uh, department got so many calls of people saying that they saw UFOs. And this is something that in those times happened quite frequently. Now, there was a UFOlogist back then, uh, Jim Mosley, who had this uh, cool thing he liked to do. He would call in fake UFO sightings. And just sit back and watch throughout the week, the whole town lose its shit with uh, additional call-ins for UFO sightings. That's pretty good. You could probably do that this day and age, too, and people would still do it. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, obviously it's people wanting to join the bandwagon, but in paranormal circles, we also have this idea that, you know, mass hysteria may be generating real paranormal phenomena by hoaxing an incident. Um, allegedly the night before the boys, uh, were found by this officer, somebody did report a UFO sighting, but I mean, 1953, everybody was seeing UFOs all over. In the the same area? Yeah. Mm. Maybe the boys got the idea because of that. I don't know. And, but then the, uh, yeah, they call this, what's his doctor? Is it Herman something? Okay. So this was after the veterinarian said that this thing was an alien. Uh, Dr. Herman Jones was then the head of the Georgia crime lab. And he's mm-hmm. the guy who is usually cited as the the person who introduced, you know, forensic science to Georgia. And I think, I don't know if GBI actually investigated this officially or if Herman Jones just did this on his own accord, but he was obviously very annoyed by all this. And, uh, <laughs> 
came and confiscated the alien body from the boys and then took the alien body to Emory University to two anatomy professors, doctors uh, Marlon Hines and W.A. Mickle. So they may examine the alien body. And Emory University is, um, I don't know what the building or facility was back then, but one of like, there's several like Emory University type buildings in the area. One of them is used for Stranger Things. Really? Um, yeah. So if you, I know you've never seen it and I know you don't care, <laughs> but <laughs> if you've ever seen Stranger Things, there's what's called Hawkins Lab that's throughout the entire series. That's one of the Emory University buildings. Man, it's so weird to me how, um, you know, in back in the 90s, every TV show was uh, filmed in Vancouver and now everything is in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. We offer great tax incentives, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> That's why they filmed it in Vancouver and all that in Canada back then, because it was cheaper. So we just made it cheaper here to do, and that's why it's here now. I wonder what the X-Files would have been if they were filmed in uh, Georgia. That would have been cool. Oh, man. It would have been cool if they did, uh, because they revived it several times now. And the most recent time was well within like Georgia's film and TV industry. It would have been cool if they did it down here. But I bet they went back to Vancouver just for <laughs> just because yeah. it's the X-Files. And also because they needed, uh, I know that they recast some of the old cast members. You and I did an episode of your new podcast, Horror Makes You Brave, talking about Home, the X-Files mm -hmm. episode. And the lady who portrayed Miss is Peacock. She appeared in uh, season 11 again as a, another character. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. How did you not tell me that? <laughs> I think it's, I did not watch the season, but I think it's some kind of episode about doppelgangers and she portrayed hmm. herself and her male self, I think. Huh. I'm gonna have to check that out. Interesting. Yeah. But they recast her, you said? Yeah. Okay. So it took only a few hours <laughs> for these doctors to come to the conclusion that this is no alien. Dr. Hines was quoted in the newspapers as yeah, saying... Yeah, the quotes are pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> the, is, as saying, if this creature came from Mars, they have monkeys on Mars. And uh, this other Dr. Mickle added, if it's from outer space, they haven't invented anything new. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good for a Georgian. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, Presumably the dry the dry humor. Yeah. And then I think with that the three guys finally confessed what they did. And yeah, that's the part of the story where you're just like it's all fun and games until they confess what they did and you're just like, man, fuck these guys. <laughs> Like, cause what they did is they, wherever the hell they found the monkey at a pet store. Wow. But they poisoned it and killed it. Yeah. With chloroform. Um, chloroform. Cut its tail off and then used some sort of thing. Uh, they didn't shave it technically. They used something to. Yeah. Some uh, kind of hair remover hair remover type thing and and they colored it, it in green food dye green food oh so it was green when it was found yeah <laughs> okay it's white Though, now i i would imagine that the green was fading off of it yeah no it's it's completely white now when you see it yeah yeah it's um, pickled now <laughs> And yeah, you're just like, wow, they tortured and mutilated an animal. Mm -hmm. And the only, and when you realize why they did what they did, it was like a $10 bet on a card game or some such mm -hmm. nonsense. Yeah. So they were playing cards one night and uh, this main guy, Edward Waters, uh, bet the other two $10 that within the week he would appear uh, on the headlines of the local newspaper. And I mean, and for technically, this $10 it was a $10 bet. bet 
yeah. but he spent 50 bucks on the monkey <laughs> and then he uh he also got fined however much money i mean it wasn't a lot of money but he still got fined so it's not like he made money i think it's very interesting w- what transpired after that because immediately obviously even in those days uh, once you realize what they did you want to charge them for animal cruelty but the mm-hmm. judge was like nah <laughs> they killed the monkey in another county they were arrested in this county we can't you know prosecute them for that but we can prosecute them for obstructing the road of a highway and <laughs> yeah. the guy just got charged 40 bucks yeah. <laughs> that sounds like g well no that's not gbi that's just general course but just that's a government thing they'll get you on a technicality so <laughs> if you're looking to pull off a hoax like have all your t's crossed and i's dotted because if they want to get you they'll get you yeah but is there no way that they could have got them for animal cruelty they could well whatever county they did it in that county could have charged them that's what i was saying earlier mm-hmm. i don't know why that county didn't do it yeah but then you you'd have to prove where they actually killed the monkey there's no way of proving that well they basically i'm sure that was probably part of the confession mm-hmm. they'd ha- they admit to killing the monkey it's not that hard to say okay well where did you do it that's kind of the easy part <laughs> After you get them to confess they actually did it. So wherever they did it, that's the place where you charge, or that's the county jurisdiction where you charge them. Yeah, but it's per confession. You Still, don't have, it's, a, it's, it's a confession. You don't have physical evidence like the, the police officer actually stumbling upon them on a highway. You don't need physical evidence if they confessed. Oh. Yeah. So is that usually how uh, Georgia functions? That well, That's what I was going to say. If you want to give Georgia shit, I was going to ask you, because you're the expert, how many of these UFOs hoaxes and stuff over the years were the result of any kind of cruelty animal or otherwise hmm that's a good question i don't think because it's kind of sad if georgia is the one that's just like oh georgia has its own lore but of course they had to murder a monkey to do it well there are a few cases but i can't really off the top of my head think of them where monkeys were shaved down to pose as aliens but it's not a very common thing hoaxing an alien body is not very common mostly you people Mm. hoax uh, video or photographs of ufos well it's usually video or anything of not just ufos but any kind of quote-unquote sighting how did a monkey end up in georgia maybe he got it from a university because these this monkey was a rhesus monkey and they're used for experimentation you know I mean, that's why that was my question is like, where the hell did this monkey come from? (laughs) We don't just have them technically where this was is Marietta, which is close to Atlanta. So if you're going to find a monkey anywhere in Georgia, it's going to be around a bigger city, which is kind of where they were. But yeah, that's not something you'd see in any like pet store local. Also, from what I found, these three guys just totally disappeared off the radar after this. Well, one of them was called like, what was the nickname that they called him? Monkey Man. <laughs> so they kept calling well, Ed good. Waters Fuck Monkey him. Man. And within a few weeks or a month after this all transpired, he allegedly left Georgia because of the ridicule. Good dipshit. Oh, man. I Okay, so I did find a book, but I don't believe the book. The book is about <laughs> a Mary Toft. I don't know if you're aware of her. She was a woman in the Middle Ages who fooled doctors that she's pregnant with rabbits and giving birth to rabbits. So she stuffed rabbit parts into her and called the doctors in and the doctors pulled out rabbit parts from her. For a moment, like the doctors were astonished. Wow, a woman 
woman is giving birth to rabbits. She <laughs> she made a mockery of the whole medical establishment in the day. <laughs> so the book is about her, but there is a mention of this case. The details are kind of dubious. He says in the book that this was not a rhesus monkey, but a capuchin monkey. Rhesus monkeys are more common to find because they're used in experimentation. And this is the only mm-hmm. source that said it's a capuchin. And he also said that they kind of smashed its head in with a hammer, which may be possible, but after mm. chloroforming it, which would make it very, uh, very, very fucked up. Mm, I mean, from what I saw, and you can look at the picture of this thing online, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like the head's bashed in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it's the back, but I, I mean, I feel like that would be glaring to see. Uh, I thought, okay, maybe it makes sense because they were trying to pose it as being hit by a car. Oh, that's what I was going to mention earlier, that sort of whenever these stories get told, the people telling the stories sort of putting human reactions to alien beings in their stories. Mm-hmm. So they tell the story. There's a flying saucer. They drove up on three of these things, hit one of them, and then the two like panicked got in their ship and flew away. I was like, if you're going to tell this story, you're telling somebody that a being that has achieved like interstellar intergalactic travel freaked out because one of them died and their immediate reaction was to just cut and run, which is something like a criminal human would do, not something that's traveling through space. It's funny. Also, this was in 1953, but in 1955 in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, I already told you about the Hopkinsville goblins. And it was also investigated by the Air Force within uh, Project Blue Book, which was investigating UFO Mm -hmm. stuff at the time. And they came to the conclusion that probably because two of the brothers uh, associated with that family who were a part of the sighting worked as carnies that (laughs) somehow monkeys escaped from the carnival and were terrorizing this family during the night (laughs) (laughs) it's always a good story whenever you you hear the word carnies So maybe these guys could have got uh, the monkey from a carnival. July? I mean, it's possible. We don't typically get carnivals and fairs around here until October, kind of September, October, November. Man, I would, I love, I would have loved if I just got on the internet and searched if monkeys were actually a thing in pet stores. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, who would want one of those in the pet store if you own the pet store? Because they're just going to be flinging shit all the time. Even if they're in a cage, curious where the monkey came from. And 50 bucks back then, I mean, 50 bucks in 1950, that's approximately 100 bucks to this day and age. Like you're spending, you know, not a huge amount of money, but you're spending money that's, you know, there had to have been a cheaper way to to do what they were trying to do. Well, it's obvious that he did not do this for the money. I mean, he bet his uh, buddies $10 and spent uh, $50 on the monkey and uh, $40 for the fine. He did this out of per hubris. And publicity. Yeah. I guess that's the center of a lot of these stories is it's just about seeing how far they can get away with it. Yeah. But you asked me about um, when we were talking like a couple of days ago or whenever about mm-hmm. like animal autopsies and stuff. Yeah. So um, you told me before while you were working in GBI that you guys would sometimes get cases where you, even though you're death investigators of humans, you would be asked to perform autopsies of animals. So I wondered like... How does that happen? It happens stupidly is how it happens. Uh, I never did it because I was, this is where like, it might be weird to hear this, but it was like, you know, 
I signed up for the job to do death investigations and autopsies on humans. I don't want to mess with animals because I, I mean, I've got dogs. I got, you know, I like animals. I don't want to do but, that. But you don't stuff. have That's, a family, huh? Yeah, but I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> So were, were they mostly dogs that you needed to do autopsies on? Yes, because what is technically supposed to happen, just to sort of get this right, if a dog requires an autopsy, and the reasons why they would require it is if they're a, like a canine service animal for police and they're killed in the line of duty. Oh, okay. Um, they would need an autopsy to at least recover the bullet or because, I mean, they treat the dogs as, as if they, yeah, as a cop. But still, if that's the case, you're really supposed to take this to a veterinarian and let them do the autopsy because they are a veterinarian. Our doctors are not veterinarians. They don't have that sort of, I mean, they know, ba they know the basics enough that they can do it. And that's where GBI, that's where the political nature of GBI comes in. And it's why mm -hmm. I never really Really liked the agency because they'd show up and they're like, Hey, we got there. A dog was killed. We got to do the exam. You know, the moment you're just like, why don't they take it to the veterinarian? The answer was always, um, well, the people, the agents, uh, the local PD or whoever involved requested that GBI did it. It's like, well, so you don't get to request, you're not supposed to be able to get to request something like this when there's already a protocol of how to actually handle it. But they call the right person and it comes down and they're just like, all right, the director says you have to deal with it now. Even though it's not your expertise, even though it's you've got a million other things you got to do, now you have to deal with the autopsy of an animal and nobody really wants to do it. And it just really rubbed everybody the wrong way. Nobody ever wanted to deal with this, but we were kind of forced to. I still find that very strange i am so over here in my country our high schools are specialized and i went to a veterinary high school so i am maybe biased and thinking it's so weird that you guys have a problem with doing an autopsy of a dog but not of a human well it's the job you sign up to do yeah Especially when there, it's not like if we didn't do it, then nobody else would. It's like, no, there's specifically people mm -hmm. who are supposed to do this. So it's, it's a matter of principle. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, we didn't want to have to deal with it. They're like, well, you have to. And it's like, well, great. You know, just irritating stuff like that. And again, it, there's kind of a, like, there was always, I guess there wasn't technically a written policy, but there was like a history of like established protocol and it wasn't us dealing with it. But because several of us at a certain point were just like, no, no, we don't want to do this. This isn't our job. And even the doctors were like, yeah, this isn't our job. We don't want to do it. This is how the GBI handles things. They made the, uh, the assistant director of the lab write out a new policy called necropsy that was specifically on how to deal with autopsies on animals because enough investigators and enough doctors said we didn't want to do it that the GBI said, okay, well, we're going to make a policy that says you have to. That's how mm. GBI handles stuff. Yeah. So back then when Herman Jones... Uh, was heading this investigation, if I can call that. He did not ask the GBI crime, crime lab to do the autopsy of the alien. It sounds like he did this almost out of spite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it I'm sounds like he that. was pissed that anyone was actually taking this seriously. And he was like, all right, screw this. I'm going to take this thing mm -hmm. and I'm going to deal with it, which yeah, is but he, funny in and of itself. He took it to a university. Now, uh, think about it, like if this happened now. Uh, well, if it got into the hands of the GBI, would they ask you guys to do the autopsy? of the supposed alien body. Well, if it's around, if it was in the same area, technically no, because Marietta, uh, Cobb County, Fulton County have their own ME's office. 
Mm-hmm. So GBI doesn't have to worry about that. But if it was to say happen to one of the counties, the GBI does have to deal with maybe like I wouldn't put it past GBI. This supposed murder of an alien being occurred on a highway, a state highway. So is it that, then G- GBI jurisdiction? No, because okay. um, if we did that, we'd have to do every single car crash that ever happened. And we don't have the GBI is just not built for that kind yeah, of Yeah, I think before when GBI was part of the Georgia Department of Public Safety, uh, they needed to do that that as part of that department. But uh, I think in the days of Jimmy Carter in the 70s, when he was governor of Georgia, I read that he put out legislation that made GBI a separate thing, its own separate thing. Yeah. And even I forget when the actual... GBI. I mean, because the crime lab's been there a while, but I'm not exactly sure when the medical examiner's office was built and instituted um, because it wasn't because there's your divisions of GBI. So there's GBI as a whole, but then there's, again, GCIC, Georgia Crime Information Center. That's when anyone gets a background check or fingerprints ran in Georgia, it goes through GCIC and that's their own department of the GBI. And then there's the agent law enforcement division. And then there's the Department of Forensic Science. And that's technically what the ME's part is part of because there's the Department of Forensic uh, Science, DOFS, and beneath that is the crime lab. And then within the crime lab is the is the medical examiner's office. Um, so I'm not exactly sure when the medical examiner's office was built and everything. So yeah, like and this is sort of a funny story based on that. There used to be a doctor in Georgia who, because there wasn't a centralized medical examiner's office, Mm-hmm. Um, he was a pathologist. And if anybody in the state needed an autopsy, they couldn't and they didn't really have a place to send it for an autopsy. He was also a pilot. So he would get in his plane and he would just fly around the state and he would land and he would go run and he would, he would do the autopsy and all that stuff. And then he'd get in his plane and he'd take off and he'd do it again. Wow. Like doctors don't even want to hop onto planes to go and save somebody's life. But if somebody's dead, you're you're definitely going to go um, immediately as soon as you can to examine the corpse. Yeah. Well, most doctors wouldn't, but there was a, I, I won't say her name. She was one of my favorite docs to work with at uh, GBI mm-hmm. and she's a pilot as well. And <laughs> we were like, I had to go, I had to respond to because GBI or the GBI Emmy's office also has to deal with airport deaths. That's a little south of Atlanta. Um, if anyone dies at the airport, it's automatic GBI. It was, it used to be a question of part of the part of the airport. Cause the Atlanta airport, if you don't know, is enormous. It's like the biggest airport in the world. And that's half a pretty of the, bold statement. I'm pretty sure that's true. Hmm. Um, and half of the airport is Fulton County. And then the other part of the airport is Clayton County and GBI was responsible for Clayton County, but not Fulton County because they had their own Emmys office. So we, there would actually be disputes if somebody died. They're like, well, what part of the airport? Because we have to figure out who's got jurisdiction. Um, and it became such a headache that, again, it they just threw it all on GBI because that's sort of the answer to everything is. If anyone dies at the airport, we're just going to throw it all on the GBI Emmy's office to deal with. Blah, blah, blah. All that to say, um, I got called to an airport death. It was a hanging, which is not something you ever hear someone say, though, we've got a death at an airport and it's a hanging. But even that's slightly misleading. 
because that's what they told me when they called it in. Technically, it was the fire station that's on the airport campus. I mean, mm-hmm. it's part of the airport, but it was the fire station. And one of the one of the crew member or one of the fire, she was female, actually, had hanged herself in the bathroom. So oh. when they called that in, they were like, yeah, we got a hanging at the airport and I got stuck doing it. And this doctor um, just happened to be in the room and she was like, what? That's cool. There's a hanging at the airport. She's like, I'm going. So like when we go to these things, it's mostly just an investigator going by themselves. Mm-hmm. But on this particular occasion, because this doctor who's a pilot and loves aviation stuff, she was like, no, I'm going. So she jumped in the vehicle with me. So I had a doctor with me at the airport. This is <laughs> this is the the dark humor of the job mm-hmm. where we're standing out there. We're waiting for our, you know, we've sort of done everything. We've looked, you know, we've investigated the case. We're waiting on transport to come pick up the body. So we're waiting outside and the fire station is like kind of, you know, it's right along the tarmac. So you're seeing planes sort of like land and take off and just sort of running across the runway to get to take off and all that stuff. And this doc is just out there because she just wanted to go to this because she wanted a free trip to the airport. So she's just walking around outside watching the planes. And I walked up to her. I was like, Doc, you don't have to stay. I was like, you can, we can leave. And she just like what she said, she was like, wouldn't it be cool if one of these planes crashed? And I was, I looked at her, I was like, what the hell are you? She's like, she's like, it'd be so wild to see and we'd be responsible for it. And I was like, Doc, you need to go home. Like this is, you need to stop saying stuff like that. Number one, because you're going to jinx it and we're going to have to deal with something like that. I mean, she was kidding. She was not like serious about it, but. And just uh, for the listeners, for legal reasons, this is totally a semi-fictional story from the book you're writing. Sure it is. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't name names. Yeah. But if anyone from GBI listened to this, they'd know exactly who I'm talking about. (laughs) but this again who i'm talking about like this doctor this lady she's the coolest person like you could not find a more laid back chill human being but yeah she would just randomly say shit like that and you're like doc go sit down wow i love how when i sit down and uh record with you we always go into these tangents which end up being very problematic and fucked up and i don't know if yeah even (laughs) i should keep them in the episode that's up to you man i don't care okay as long as you don't care i I am going to then exploit you good just as these guys exploited the press (laughs) (laughs) the dead monkey yeah oh i guess going back to like animal autopsies Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would have like canines come in and I'm trying to think if anything else besides a dog ever came in. Well, were they always service animals or did you ever get animals that are not essentially cops? Yeah, we uh, once or twice. And again, that was another thing where it's like, well, you're making the exception for the service animals, but then you send us this. And this is the reason it was sent was because police responded to this scene. I think whoever was there started a firefight. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. uh, a dog was shot and killed in the midst of it, but it wasn't a service animal. It was just the dog at the house or neighbor dog or something like that. So they sent it. They wanted GBI to pull the bullet out of it. And again, that's a veterinarian's job. Veterinarians can do that. And then they just wrap it up and wrap the bullet up and send it to the crime lab. Maybe they're trying to save money because if they do it at the M- GBI Emmy's office, we're yeah, it's state ten, funded we're, then. Well, we're 10 steps from the crime lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's also state funded. If you need to go to a veterinarian, you need to pay them for the service. Maybe. 
That would be, that's a curious question because they, if it's part of a legal proceeding, I can't imagine that they would, but maybe they do. But I guess you are technically right. If anyone comes in for an autopsy, GBI or anything, it's, it's always on either the state's dime or the county's dime where if it's a county medical examiner's office. Do you know of any other incidents that are not dogs, man, because people tuned out? You know that people hate <laughs> listening to dogs being killed. Exactly. <laughs> Who would want to do an autopsy on a dog? Huh. Nobody. That's why we didn't want to do it. That's why I never but did But you're not really doing autopsies. You're just extracting bullets. Nobody's going to go through a whole autopsy to, to determine why a dog died. You still have to uh, open it as an autopsy. Whether mm. or not you take out all that parts and stuff, you're not just like digging around, you know, through a bullet hole, pulling that stuff out. Like, no, you actually have to open the body as an autopsy and then trace where the bullet is. Okay, here's a fucked up example that I remembered. You told me a few times of cases where, say, somebody would die with a pet in their house. And then mm-hmm. you, we all know what transpires in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, are those uh, animals left alive or what? And do you need to like extract remains from those animals? That's a good question that I can't answer because if it didn't, if it wasn't a concern for us, then we didn't much worry about it. You know, because we take a case and we're like, yeah, there's some animal feeding activity on the body. And we're like, okay. And we're more curious on exactly what the animal did. We don't really, we never really ask what they do with the animal itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, it, that comes down to whether a family would even want the animal after something like that. And if they didn't, it would probably be taken to, shelter probably and they'd have to tell them what had transpired and odds are animal would ultimately be put down yeah um you told me of one case where a woman was actually killed by a rabid dog oh man that one was messed up that was i mean we we saw like you know a lot of homicide like crime scenes but most homicide crime scenes are you know there's a little blood here and there a bullet hole that kind of stuff the scene photos for this case was i mean it looked it almost looked fake. It looked like something out of a movie because this dog got a hold of this girl. Uh, briefly, the story is it wasn't her dog. It was her boyfriend's dog, but it, the dog knew her like they weren't new to each other and they got never had any issues. Um, but the boyfriend wasn't home one day when the girl came home and the girl had spent the day at like a meat packing facility or something like that. So nearest they can tell is that she had a scent on her and this dog, I mean, most of it happened in a bathroom. There was just blood all over the walls. Like, I don't know if it was quite at the ceiling, but it was the walls were covered in blood and there were bloody handprints within the blood on the walls. It was I mean, it looked like something out of a movie. It looked fake. Man, we we make the grimmest episodes. (laughs) Last time, last time we went into some very fucked up shit. What did we talk about last time? Uh, Last time you shared a story of a guy burning himself to death and you watching the video. Oh yeah. Yeah, And that's just a normal day at your job for you. I've sort of said this to you before because maybe it's because I used to, that was part of my job is, was looking at that kind of stuff. Whenever you see stuff like you'll just see random stuff like that posted online now on like Twitter, like people like, here's this story and here's the video of X, Y, and Z. And I'm just, maybe just, I'm an, (laughs) 
I'm an old curmudgeon at this point where I'm like, why is this out here for people? Like, why would you want to look at that? I looked at it once because it was part of my job and you're, you're looking at it with at least a partial like scientific eye. Like this is the media posting this stuff out there as if it's important, as if people need to see it. Like I forget what the recent story I was, I was looking at, but like what I was, I just remember looking at it and thinking like anybody who would a think it's okay to just publish this as if, as if the public needs or should see it is a pervert. Yeah. And the people that click on it are perverts as well. Like, no, if you like enjoying that stuff, good for you, but guess what? You're a pervert (laughs) because it's, you know, like, what is it? They they actually explain themselves as it's a morbid curiosity or it's documenting reality. I think the site It's a fetish is what it is. It's a fetish, yeah. But the site Best Gore used to have their tagline as documenting reality or something like that. And that's total bullshit. Documenting reality. And we'd have people like there were scenes that I went to and you always saw these. I mean, it it was bad back then, but I, I it's so much worse now, I'm sure. I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, now it's in HD. Yeah, like, but back then, like, I'd be out on a scene, and it would just be kind of a nothing thing, just someone hit by a car, It's which in and of itself, that's tragic. It's And there's just some asshole out there with a cell phone oh, recording man. it. So that's where, like, the job made me cynical at all. It's just like, man, people really are perverts about this kind of stuff, which coming from me, considering what happened to me, people would be like, yeah, you shouldn't be saying that. But it's mm-hmm. like... Well, I wasn't, that's a whole conversation. Well, you you were doing your job. Yeah. I was in a controlled environment working and, but yeah, whenever I see that stuff, I'm just like, like, why, like, why would you go out of your way when there's so much other stuff you could be doing productively with your life or, and also journalists uh, taking advantage of that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it falls on them first, you know, the clickbait stuff. I mean, I mean, you know, my position on Mm -hmm. all this stuff with the stuff that happened to me, I've got no, I've got kind of zero tolerance for that sort of stuff. Yeah. But nonetheless, I am exploiting you now for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like the point of this episode and why we're going into some very dark territory, I did not anticipate this, but it's always it's always um, something I can look forward to when having you on the show. Yeah. The point is, like, people are thinking, wow, Martian monkey hoax, this is something cool and wonderful and funny and quirky and wacky. But it's essentially the story of animal abuse. Yeah, and, it's, it's um, one of those, like, we can't have an episode of me and you without me talking about David Lynch. <laughs> Okay. If this was a if this was a David Lynch movie, it'd be like, oh, here's this crazy little Americana UFO, blah 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 blah. Deep under the core of it is animal cruelty, yeah, and death. Oh yeah, like uh, that movie would go into how the monkey was obtained and into some dark underbelly of universities where they sell monkeys to people to do whatever they want. Also, there's a. <laughs> Here's your synchronicity. The Netflix short film by David Lynch called What Did Jack Do? Did I send Mm -hmm. you that? No. It's literally David Lynch interrogating a monkey (laughs) for 20 minutes and they superimpose a mouth on it. So since we're talking about animal cruelty, monkeys, crime, death, investigation, and autopsies on animals, are you aware of Travis the chimpanzee? No. Okay, this happened in Stanford, Connecticut. There was a woman who had a chimpanzee, a very big old one, uh, as essentially her child for years. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a kind of local celebrity. And 
one day her friend who was you know a friend of the family and the monkey was already aware of her um familiar with her she came with his favorite toy a tickle me elmo and a different hairstyle and the monkey went completely berserk and pounced on her and started eating her face off yeah. I wonder if that's what uh, Nope was based on. It is based on I, this. The woman is? in question, okay. Charlene Ash, survived this, but her face was torn off. She lost both eyes. She lost so many fingers on both hands. Uh, yeah. The police came and shot down the chimpanzee. Yeah. It took her millions and millions of dollars to reconstruct her face, and she sued her friend because uh, apparently her friend was giving this chimpanzee Prozac. <sighs> And Prozac does weird things with non-human brains. Mm-hmm. So this chimp was uh, high and and fucked up because of the medication. What was the uh, what was the UFOs commu- UFO community's take on Nope? You would know the UFO community's take on Nope. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm then gonna like spoil it for everybody. Well, not really. Well, I'm like you can, but I, at least in, in terms of, well, I love the movie. It but... <laughs> revitalized the theories of atmospheric creatures that were proposed by a guy yeah. named Trevor Constable. A yeah. lot of the UFO community loved the movie because it plays with uh, UFO tropes a lot and by the end uh, is the reveal. But it looked like uh, Jordan Peele actually did his homework from what other people were saying. Yeah. And I, when I was telling you about this, because I, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> It's not my wheelhouse, but I was ex- explaining them because by I love the movie and I was explaining a lot of the stuff to you and you're just like, oh, I know what this stuff is. I know what he's talking about. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's an actual thing. Yeah. But I only bring it up because literally the opening, like the opening scene of Nope is it's the aftermath of the chimpanzee having just like slaughtered people on a movie set. Yeah. Um. So the opening scene, you just see a, mo- you hear like a beating sound and then it opens up and you see this chimp and it's a piece. POV shot and you see there's like blood all over him and it's really unnerving. And then all of a sudden he cuts his eyes towards you, the POV, and then it cuts out and it never really explains it until half an hour or more into the movie. And it, and you get a flashback of what happened. And it was literally that st- basically the story you just told, but on a movie set or a TV set. I think that's heavily inspired by the Travis story. Um, also, the horse motif in the movie is based on a lot of UFO stuff. Are you aware of cattle mutilations as a phenomenon? Oh, yeah. Even if you're not familiar with that, like South Park kind of brought that. (laughs) Well, uh, the first animal, well-documented animal mutilation in America was in the 60s, Snippy the horse. Hmm. It was not a cow. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that went into the motif of the movie, among other things, where horses are associated with UFOs. Mm. Also, yeah, I wanted to touch up on this. So in cattle mutilations, there's always this motif of, oh, they're missing their organs. They're drained of blood. Everything was done in, with surgical precision. And then the skeptics would say, oh, this is just normal predation now. You told us what it looked like when a dog attacks somebody. So Mm -hmm. if this was the result of predation, would it really be a cleanly cut up body without blood all over the scene? No. (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, finding anything animal or otherwise, like any crime scene where there's no evidence to suggest that anyone else was there is kind of rare. I remember that, like one of the doctors I was working with was telling, cause that show that came out almost a decade ago, uh, true detective with like Matthew McConaughey and Woody, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson. The opening scene of the show is this woman that's sort of been displayed out and like murdered and sort of mutilated and posed next to this tree. When they're investigating it, they're just like, we don't see any signs that anyone was here or did anything or blah, 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 blah. And, and that, and that's a, that's setting up a mystery, whatever. But a doctor I was working with, he was like, he was like, that's a good example of like when Hollywood gets all this stuff wrong. He's like, because you don't have a crime scene without a single traceable evidence that someone or something else was there. So kind of going back to this, like mutilations and stuff, it wouldn't just be like perfectly like splayed out and without some evidence that someone else had sort of been there to do it. Yeah, there is that motif. And I appeared recently on a podcast with David Perkins, who has been studying cattle mutilations for decades. And I really asked them, I really asked him if there is this motif of posing the bodies like a theatricality to the phenomenon. It's what makes the phenomenon actually kind of mysterious. But then again, there are theories that let's say the government could be responsible for that for um, uh, perpetrating hoaxes for the purpose of disinformation campaigns. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you know this, like after the Second World War in the Philippines, the CIA helped the Filipinos back then uh, thwart off this uh, guerrilla communist group that that was formed during the Second World War. So what they did, because Filipinos have this superstition over the Aswang, which is a vampire, they sparked a vampire panic by getting human corpses, uh, draining them of blood and putting them around the villages. And this <laughs> thwarted away those uh, communist rebels who were superstitious. Uh, but also the local populations, you know, the, the villagers thought like if they involved themselves with these guerrilla groups, then they would also fall victim to these vampire attacks. Nice. So it, it if cattle mutilation is, you know, a government thing for disinformation, whatnot, it would not be so far-fetched because the American government already did that, but abroad. I mean, if you want to go all the way back, it's not really a government thing, but you know the story of like Columbus and how he tricked the kind of indigenous people with the, with faces the, of the red moon. moon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about that. <laughs> That's where I heard it too. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, yeah, with cattle mutilations, so either that or with supposed chupacabra attacks where they'd find livestock uh, supposedly drained of blood. What is usually the case is uh, lividity, uh, liver mortis, and they just, you know, poke the top of the body and see, oh, there's no blood, so it was drained of blood. But can you maybe explain how lividity works in these cases, how somebody can think that a body is drained of blood, but it's not? Um, well, at a certain point in like decomposition, blood kind of goes away anyway, but lividity is basically the settling of blood, the pooling of blood to whatever. So the easy kind of way someone's dead, they're laying on their back on the ground, laying flat on their back. Lividity is just, you know, gravity taking effect as things break down. Uh, the blood starts pooling around the back area and starts settling. And there's, and that's usually how you can tell, you know, if a body's been moved or not. If they, if someone dies 
and they have lividity in their back. They've been laying on their back and the blood's pulled and it gets fixed because at a certain point, the blood starts, you know, coagulating. Yeah. So it's not going to move anymore. If they've been dead for a certain amount of time and that's happened and then the body gets moved and put on the stomach, the blood's still going to be shown on the back, the pooling. But that's what you would call lividity is kind of the pooling of blood. That's the same as liver mortis. Liver mort, yeah, it's the same okay. thing. So in these cases where, let's say, villagers would find chickens or goats dead and say, oh, it's a chupacabra attack, and they were drained of blood, they would poke the body with a knife or something and see that no blood is coming out. Now, even if they poked the underside where the blood is pooled, uh, the blood, I assume, would not even be seeping out because, you know, there's no heartbeat and the blood is already coagulated. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in order to properly determine if something is actually drained of blood, you need to do a necropsy. You need to open them up. Yeah. Because yeah, you just apply that same thing with the human. So you got a dead human and, you know, freshly dead, maybe there would be a little bit of blood, but like if you poked it or cut it or something. But once something's been dead, like a few hours, yeah, nothing's going to be just draining. Like even when you do the Y incision, there's not like blood coming out or anything, mm-hmm. but saying that there's no blood, like you sort of have to ask, what do you mean by that? Because, you know, you could have a dead human who's been laying there for a few hours. You poke the body or stick the body or cut the body and you don't see blood and you're like, oh, there's no blood in the body. You're like, okay, well, that's not a scientific, that's not an accurate scientific reading of whether or not there's blood in the body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, man. So the whole episode is about fucked up dead animal stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to start it with a major trigger warning, and I think nobody will be listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Except the perverts you were talking about. Oh, yeah, they'll love it. Oh, yeah. So If you're you're still listening, you're a pervert. (laughs) You're a a fucking pervert if you're still listening to this episode. (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) Man, I, I love that. I, I do fun episodes, I do quirky, wacky stuff, and then out of the blue comes an episode with Autopsy Podcast. Uh, and I get to troll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should just make it a thing where I, every time I'm on, I just troll the Flatwoods Museum now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I was talking with the Moth Boys the other day about the Flatwoods Museum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still like, yeah, guys, I know, I know, we made an episode critical of it, but <laughs> no, um, it's just it, as you said, it's a it's a fan shrine. But I had some cool ideas of imaginal offerings in the form of art to these creatures, and I had an episode recently with Jordan talking about these proto festivals. Every town having a festival around the monster, and how it kind of motivates people to form a community and bond over something. And we mentioned you and how you guys have peach festivals in Georgia. <laughs> Only you guys are more, you know, straight uh, to earth. You worship peaches and not giant <laughs> monstrous turtles. Well, technically, I don't know if we actually have a lot of peach festivals, but we have a lot of, because a lot of like, even the town I live in, they're, they're farm towns. Yeah. Um, so whatever the main crop of the town is, we'll have a fix. So we have an onion festival here. Oh man. I was mentioning onions. I was saying like, we make fun of uh, Charabasco, Indiana for uh, worshiping a giant turtle. But like in the <laughs> middle ages, you had whole kingdoms, which had a fucking onion as their emblem. <laughs> and now you're <laughs> telling me that yeah. the symbol of your town is a fucking onion. I don't know if it's the symbol, but 
Um, the we, festival it, is uh, of onions. Yeah, it used oh, to man. be like watermelon or strawberry or something like that. And is this festival during the summer? Uh, right, almost. I don't know if it's quite summer. It's it's kind of around May. I think it's it's usually around Mother's Day. I can imagine uh, the smell. There's really not, in, in, at least, in, I mean, well, yeah, if you're driving by onion fields, yeah, you're going to smell that. That's almost like home to me, <laughs> like because <laughs> that, that's what I grew up around, um, because they're sweet onions. They're, if you've ever heard of a Vidalia sweet onion. Well, that was pronounced very erotically. A Vidalia sweet onion. <laughs> By the way, like I say, I pronounce it correctly, but anybody else in this town or in the South, if they say it, they call it Vidalia. It's yeah. not Vidalia. It's it. When you read the, the name, it's V-I-D-A-L-I-A. It's Vidalia, but not in South Georgia. It's Vidalia. Well, it, it looks like you want to imitate Louisiana by speaking broken French. <laughs> Maybe that's the origins of it. But anyway, like Vidalia is a city and they that's they were originally known for the sweet onion and still are. But my town produces the most of them. So if you're getting sweet onions, most of them come from us. Mm-hmm. But it's still the Vidalia sweet onion. What What is it with the Southerners and, and sweetness? You have sweet onions, you have sweet potatoes, you have sweet tea. I mean, that's what makes stuff great, man. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, um, when I was talking with uh, MJ over from Spooky, mm-hmm. I was talking about like once upon a time, speaking of sweet tea, you could never, sweet tea was a Southern staple. And if when you leave the South, if you ask for a sweet tea anywhere, you get a weird look and they're like, we have, I, we can make you an iced tea and there's sweetener on the table. That's what they tell you. But All I can say is maybe God bless McDonald's of all people, because at a certain point, McDonald's started creating, they called it the Southern sweet tea, but now it's just McDonald's sweet tea. And I was like, that's clearly just a regional thing, but it's not. You can go to almost any McDonald's in the States and order a sweet tea. So I was talking to MJ, she's in California. And I was like, yeah, I was like, our McDonald's down here, they have sweet tea on the menu. She was like, McDonald's sweet tea is my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) She's like, it's my favorite thing to get from McDonald's is their sweet tea. So sweet tea is expanding, man. As we already established in a prior episode, uh, talking about autopsies gets us very, very hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we should... uh we should end it here uh, yeah. before we, we start talking about food after uh, these corpse talks. Yeah. <laughs> so where can <laughs> listeners find you and where can they find me? Because I'm appearing on your podcast now. Yeah. Autopsy is kind of on <laughs> indefinite hiatus. There's episodes I have planned out that I want to do, but I've just been lazy because I've been on my other podcast, which you mentioned, Horror Makes You Brave. That's being updated more recently. And it basically deep dives. Or some of them are deep dives. Some of them are just funny discussions about horror movies. Um, and I, I've had you on. It's funny we're recording this now. So this is the Sunday before your next episode comes out uh, mm-hmm. this Tuesday. Okay. Uh, and that's the Frankenstein episode. And yeah, so I usually I have my sit in guest, Matt. We talk about horror movies we like, but I also just like pulling in random podcasters and sort of picking their brains over what movies they liked. <laughs> I think the most awkward ones are the ones I'm on because we are very, very different and have different approaches to things. No, those are good. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the one coming out Tuesday, the Frank, that is the longest fucking episode that I've released with the show. (laughs) We did a double feature, man. Two movies, one episode. 
Yeah, I was trying to cut it. I want the episodes two and a half hours long. It's technically two movies, but yeah, most the most I'd ever done at this point was like an hour forty five with MJ. I'd cut one down from two plus hours to I just released kind of one part and then a two part, but I couldn't really do that with this one. So um, we, I think we talked for like two hours and 45 minutes or something. Mm, yeah. And I think it wound up cutting down to two thirty is the best I could do. And I was like, I'm, we're never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thankfully the next time I guessed on your show, we're probably going to do a goosebumps book and those yeah, can be read that. in like two hours. So there's not much content. We need, we'll have to do that soon because I, yeah. I still have that. I think you sent me and yeah. I want to reread that one. Yeah. Okay. So uh, listeners, um, whoever's listening now, the, the perverts, uh, <laughs> check out Landon's show, Horror Makes You Brave. Or if you are feeling very, very pervy, check out his other podcast, Autopsy Podcast. Yes, sir. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. I guess that. <laughs> I was distracted. <laughs> Okay, until next time, until I have some more fucked up shit to talk about, we're gonna see Landon then. Later, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>